Thank you, Lord, for Wednesday night. Good time with the Lord. Good time to get in the flow of the Spirit of God. Amen. Would you stand with me? And we're going to go ahead and just uh, uh, give the Lord some praise and honor tonight. We're going to lift our hands, but we're going to lift our voices. Are you ready to do that? Let's do it. Father, we give you glory and praise. We, we are so grateful, Lord, to, to be gathered in this place together. Lord, we're not gathered in our own name. We're gathered in your name. And you said that we're two or more are gathered together in your name, that there you would be in the midst. And we take you up on your word tonight. And we believe that as we've gathered together, that Jesus is here in the midst of us tonight. And he's manifesting himself in this place. And he's demonstrating himself in this place. And he's impacting our lives and taking us from, from one level to the next, from glory to glory, and from faith to faith, and from strength to strength. Hallelujah. We give you glory, Lord. Lord, we know that this is not just uh, another time to punch the clock and say we've been to church. But Lord, this is a time to have an experience with Almighty God, a time to, to get to uh, have, have you absolutely impact our lives, Father. Because, Lord, you're more than somebody that we read about. And, Lord, we love to read about you. But, Lord, you are God who is to be experienced. And, Lord, we're experiencing tonight the one that we read about. We're experiencing tonight the one that we hear about. And for this, we give you glory and praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Find somebody close by and tell them I'm ready to experience God tonight. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Ready to experience God. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Good to see you all tonight. And uh, uh, I'm uh, appreciative to Pastor Chris for the opportunity to minister to you once again. Uh, we're we're going to go ahead and uh, we've done two sessions on learning the, the flows of the Holy Spirit back in the month of February on the 1st and the 15th. And now we're going to do two more. We're going to do tonight and then next uh, Wednesday, which is the 15th of March. And uh, I think we'll be done, but you never know. But <laughs> but, but I, I think we'll be done uh, next Wednesday. But, but there's just a, a more good stuff to dig into the Word. And uh, so we'll just do a little bit of review, but... Uh, not too much because we got some new ground to cover here. So uh, if you wouldn't go in your Bibles or your phone or your iPad or just check the screen out, we're going to John chapter 7. This has been the, the, the main verse that, that we've based our, uh, uh, used as our main text here. John seven thirty seven. on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So he's talking about a flow here. And then it clarifies what he's talking about. Verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, 
whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So at this point in time, it's making reference to the fact that Jesus had not yet uh, died, been buried, and, and rose from the dead at this point in time. But after he did, after he did die and was buried, was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father, at that point, then the Holy Spirit was given. And ever since then, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon believers from the very beginning of the church to this present day. And it's interesting. There, there are people that would tend to uh, differentiate between what you have in the early church and what you have today. You know, to say, well, they had this back then, but they don't have that here today. They had miracles back then, and they don't have miracles today. Or they had uh, speaking in tongues back then, but uh, not for today. And the interesting thing that has always caught my attention is that Jesus himself is identified as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. You know, when John the Baptist came <laughs> and uh, was baptized in water, uh, baptized Jesus in water in, in, in the Jordan River, John, inspired by God, identified Jesus as the Lamb of God, but also as the one who would baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. So the point I'm making is this, is if the baptizer never changes, then the baptism must not change either. If the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then uh, who are we to think that the baptism's any different? If the baptizer's uh, consistent and never changing. So that's just a little something for somebody. But praise God, I'll tell you, what a blessing for us as believers to have access to God Almighty living inside of us, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, the Spirit of truth, someone who will show us things to come, hey, things that you need to know, things that you could not know otherwise. They just one little piece of what he knows revealed to you inside of you can save you mounds and mounds and mounds of trouble. One little piece of what he knows can just absolutely rescue us from so much unnecessary pain and hurt. Amen. So thank God for the flow of this river of living water inside of us, the spirit of God. Now, let's go ahead and uh, uh, look at a few other things that we looked at. Uh, this is what not to do with this flow. In Ephesians 4 verse 30 it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We don't want to uh, grieve the Spirit. We, we don't want to uh, make him sorrowful. We don't want to offend him. That's literally uh, other uh, shades of meaning of what the word means. And then we got 1 Thessalonians 5 that also gives us some necessary instructions. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things 
and hold fast what is good. Now that verse 19 where it says, do not quench the spirit. Other shades of meaning of what quench means, and it's, it's not very far out. It's really what you would expect it to mean. Uh, uh, do not extinguish the spirit. Do not suppress the spirit. Do not stifle the spirit. Uh, you, you know, the, if the Holy Spirit's like fire, and of course, John talked about us being baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, we don't want the fire put out. We don't want the fire extinguished. As a matter of fact, we want it to burn hot and we want it to burn bright. Let the fire burn inside of us. Let me clarify. I want him to burn hot and him to burn bright. Because when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you are not talking about an it. You are talking about a real person. Thank you, Lord. So I don't want to quench the flow of what he's doing. I don't want him to to want to do something and want to accomplish something in the service and that I would do something that would hinder that from happening. Far be it from all of us, amen? So I found myself in, in, uh, I don't know how many years, but when praying for a service, I've often said this, Lord, I pray that we would not grieve your spirit and that we would not quench your spirit. We would only flow with and cooperate with your spirit. And that being the heart cry, because you can do that in your personal life. You know, you can do something in your personal life where, where the Holy Spirit is grieved or quenched. But the main context that we're talking about here in this series is not just what's happening in your life, but, but really what can happen in the context of a gathering of believers, in a meeting, in a service, in a gathering together of believers. And uh, we talked about several of the different flows that, that you see. Uh, that the holy ways that the Holy Spirit can flow and manifest himself, we talked about the power of the Lord to heal uh, where, where it said in Luke chapter five that there were gathered out of that region uh, uh, all these people and, and even uh, doctors of the law and, and religious guys gathered together where Jesus was, and it says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. A gathering where the power of the Lord was present with a specific purpose, physical healing for people's bodies. And I want you to know that there's been times where the power of the Lord has been present and people did not get what God was in the room to give them. Understand that even in that case there, um, you, you actually read of uh, somebody who was healed, but he wasn't one of the initial ones on the list. Can I read it to you real quick? Because uh, sometimes in the middle of review, you think, oh, I think we can just go past that. And you get to it, and the Holy Ghost says, hey, wait a minute. Just pause right there for a minute. This is Luke chapter 5. I want to read it to you. Luke 5 and verse 17, it says, now it happened on a certain day. As he, Jesus, was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, what happened is that you go on reading and you read about a paralyzed man, 
And Jesus said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And all these other guys got mad at Jesus for forgiving the guy's sins. No one can forgive sins except God alone. And so what happened? This paralytic man received healing. The power of the Lord was present to heal. He got in on it. But at least as far as the record we have of scripture, it does not talk about any of the Pharisees or doctors of the law getting anything, even though the scripture said that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I don't want to miss something when God's in the house to do something and he's very much making it clear and making it plain what he wants to do and what he wants to accomplish. I don't want to go ahead and get caught up and sidetracked on some silly little issue that's going to keep me from receiving what God wants me to have. Am I with some good company tonight that feels the same way? So we talked about the power of the Lord being present to heal. We we talked about what we call falling under the power of the spirit. Uh, What what I like to call when, when God's so good, you just can't stand. Not you just can't stand it. No, you just can't stand, period. (laughs) Hey, and we talked about that, and uh, if you go back, you, you can hear uh, m- multiple scriptures that deal with the, the, the fact that, that when the supernatural comes in contact with something that's natural, something's got to give. And it's not going to be the supernatural, it's going to be the natural, all right. And uh, we talked about unity being a big key to the flow of the Spirit. That was in our last session. Unity is a big key to the flow of the Spirit. We went to Psalm 133 where it talks about how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And said it's like the oil that's poured on Aaron and flows down his beard and down the skirts of the garments. So in that place of unity is a place where the oil can flow. Come on now. I want the flow of the oil to be unhindered in our services, in my life, in all of our lives. And that can happen in the place of unity. And of course, you just read the book of Acts and you see regularly how many things the Holy Spirit could do in atmospheres of unity. Right there in Acts chapter 2, right there in Acts chapter 4, you see very, very clearly what, what God could do in that kind of atmosphere. We talked about times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Actually, times of refreshing also uh, captured in the essence of cooling. You know, like when you're out working on a hot day and then you get something to cool you. Oh, yeah. Perfect opportunity for a sip of water right there, y'all. <laughs> refreshing, cooling, recovery of breath. Yeah, have, you, have you ever heard someone use the term, I need to catch my breath? Well, this is times when you might have been working and, and really putting out some, some energy or putting out some, uh, 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 you know, some extra effort. And you just need to catch your breath. And God can refresh you in such a way because uh, the, the very breath you have is from him. But, but it's interesting that even the word spirit in the Hebrew language means breath. Did you realize that? That when you're catching your breath, it's like God's refreshing your spirit. It's like you may have extended some energy, 
So some extra energy, but God's right there to say, let, let, let me breathe something back into you may have, ex, uh, ex, uh, uh, let's see, what's the word? Expended? Yeah, expended energy, expended effort. And God's right there to put back in you and restore to you the very thing that you seem to have lost. Hallelujah. And then we talked about revival and talked about God's heart towards revival and the person who's the prime candidate to get revived is not the person who thinks they're all that. The person who is the prime candidate for revival. And we've heard a lot of talk about revival. But who's revival for? Who's the one who could really uh, sink their teeth into it? Who's the one who is really the, 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 uh, the, the recipient who can grab a hold of it and receive what God wants to do? It's the person who is humble. And we saw that in our last session, Isaiah 57 and verse 15, where it says, Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I will dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So when you come before God with a humble and a contrite heart, you are in a position where you can receive that revival that he wants to go ahead and give that refreshing uh that that where he breathes his breath back into you and where you expended energy and you might have been dry from the heat of the day and then you feel this coolness and this refreshing going on inside of you that that's not just some kind of feeling in the way that, that we think but it, you you sense inside that there's a real genuine work of god going on that you don't even have the words to describe hallelujah this stuff is real, y'all. This stuff is real. This God we're talking about is real. And the very thing he wants to do for us, it's real. And there's so many varieties and ways that the Holy Spirit can flow. And I wanted to go ahead and set that up and dig into some uh, areas tonight that we have not yet touched. As far as various ways that the Holy Spirit flows. And one thing I want to get started with tonight is I want to talk about the flow of preaching and teaching. The flow of preaching and teaching. And <laughs> I was reminded of something somebody once said. Uh, where, where, uh, uh, they were asked, hey, how is church tonight or how is church this morning? And they answered this. Oh, there was no move of the spirit or anything like that. There was only preaching. All right, let, let that settle for a minute. There was no move of the Spirit, only preaching. Let me tell you, somebody's missing the boat there. Because I want you to realize this, that the Word of God is authored by the Spirit of God. Peter said it so well that holy men of old wrote as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. Come on, are you with me on that? So, so the, the very word of God, the, the Bible calls it in uh, 2 Timothy, God breathes. 
that, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. He, he breathed it out. Well, when you get in the word, you're getting a piece of him. You're getting something that came out of the inside of him. And I'll tell you, there's just so much untapped, unrealized power in the, the Holy Spirit anointed preaching and teaching of the word. Now, there's some preaching and teaching that's about as dry as popcorn without butter. You know what I mean? And uh, there, there's just not a whole lot you can get out of some. But I'll tell you, when, when, when somebody has the spirit of God upon them, when, when somebody is bringing the word with, with, the, with the Holy Spirit uh, uh, empowering them and anointing them to do it, that word comes across in, in, in a way where, where it's not just uh, fluffy little words or fluffy little rhymes, but the very power of heaven backs up the word. Where, where you're not just getting the word, the book, you're getting the word, the person behind the book. You know the word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. When, when, when the word is being preached the way it needs to be preached, you're not just getting uh, sentences and phrases out of the Bible. No, you're actually getting the very, very person who's called the word, Jesus himself. And you're getting the author of the word, the Holy Spirit, who stands behind it and backs it up. How many of you, and, and, and you know what? I, I am going to ask you to raise your hand, so I'm just going to go ahead and be that straight. How many of you can remember a message of time of the preaching or teaching of the word that impacted your life to the point where you still remember it to this day. Can somebody wave at me? This is real stuff. This is real stuff, y'all. There is amazing power in the word of God. And you cannot underestimate the preaching and teaching of the word and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we really did not have a move of the spirit. It was only preaching. Forget about that. That's somebody who, who's putting God in a box. And the only time God was ever in a box was the time when his presence was indwelled in the Ark of the Covenant. And even at that time, he manifested himself in lots of different ways besides just dwelling there. So you cannot put God in a box. Can I hear an amen? amen. So let's just look at a few things here. Uh, this, this is almost humorous to some extent. Because especially when we uh, joke around about uh, make sure you don't preach too long and, you know, you, you don't want to lose people's attention. And believe me, I, I believe that blessed are the short-winded for they shall be heard from again. And uh, I also believe the other proverb that the ears can only listen to what the seat can endure. Praise the Lord. All right. But, but, but this is kind of a, a, a fun story. But, but, but a true story of something that happened in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Acts 20. Start with verse 7. And you read this and tell me that there's not an amazing flow of the Spirit that is accompanied with the preaching and teaching of the Word. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to uh, depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Someone said, oh, Lord, what's what Pastor Ray going to do tonight? Now, verse 8. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. 
He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Oh boy. Verse 10. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Verse 11. Now when he had come up, he had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. That means they were comforted very greatly. Not just a little bit, but a whole lot. So interesting that in a time where Paul was doing a marathon message, and we don't know what time he started, but he went to midnight. And, and you know, you, you might think, well, what's the big lesson here? The big lesson is when you listen to a long-winded preacher, don't be sitting in the window on the third floor. That's not the lesson to get. <laughs> the, the lesson to get is, is that, that even in this marathon teaching session where the Apostle Paul realized, I've got limited time with you all. I need to depart in the morning and I want to get into you as much as I can get into you within this time. And in that moment, there was enough Holy Ghost power wrapped up in what he was doing that one of the casualties of his long sermon got raised from the dead. This is amazing. And this happened not in a woo shout and run meeting and I'm shouting and running is great. Let's shout and run. But you know what? This happened in, in a seminar. <laughs> this happened in a long to midnight and then after that to daybreak teaching session. And there was enough Holy Spirit flow in an atmosphere like that to raise this young man from the dead. You know, you look in the ministry of Jesus and you see Matthew repeating a, a particular phrase in, in multiple occasions. And it said that Jesus was teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of uh, sickness and all kinds of disease. Another place, it says that Jesus was teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So here, once again, you see the teaching and the preaching accompanied with something that people needed, where people weren't just getting taught. People weren't just gaining knowledge from, from the word of God that Jesus was teaching, but right in line with that was something that God wanted to do that people needed right there on the spot, and God delivered it to them right there on the spot. Hallelujah. Let's look at this a little bit more. I want you to get this because you know what? You get this, you will not have a la di la blah, blah, blah uh, outlook at the teaching of the word. When you know you're really being taught the word, you say, mm, I want to get some of this because you realize the flow of the spirit and the power of the spirit that is behind the, the, the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. This is Acts 14. We'll take a look at verse 7. Start there. It says, they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Now, what was Paul speaking? 
and said they preached the gospel there. So Paul was speaking the gospel. This man heard Paul speaking. And then Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. A miracle like this took place in the middle of Paul's preaching, which tells you that what Paul was preaching was probably different from somebody's preaching. Because if Paul was saying, well, you know what? It was nice back in the good old days when God used to do stuff like that, but he doesn't do it anymore. There's no way that man could have gotten faith. This man got faith from what Paul was preaching. So there must have been some element in what Paul was preaching that could let this man know, even though I've been sitting and laying down all these years and I had never walked, today doesn't have to be like all the other days before. And that's something about the anointed teaching and preaching of the word that can hit you in one day and let you know that despite how many days I've had that have been just the opposite, this does not have to be just another one of those days. Despite how long I've been dealing with this thing, this does not mean that I have to just keep on dealing with it. The gospel brings you a moment of realization that it doesn't have to be the same old thing, the same old way anymore, but God has come to set captives free. God has come to set me at liberty. And today's my day. Paul looked at the guy. He must have been glowing. Paul looked at him and realized, perceived, this guy's got faith to be healed. And said, man, you got this? Go ahead and, and, and act on it. Go ahead and, and, and jump on it. And the man leaped and walked. What was Paul doing? He was preaching the gospel there. Come on now. Can you stand a little bit more? Acts 14. Actually, it's the same chapter, but earlier in the chapter. Starting with verse 1. It says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. So they spoke, and a whole lot of people believed. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Unfortunately, that happens. But listen to this. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord. So they were there a long time. They spoke boldly in the Lord. And what's it say? Who, that being the Lord, was bearing witness to the word of his grace granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So what was happening? They were speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, and the Lord was backing up what they were saying. The Lord was bearing witness to the word of his grace. The, the Lord, in essence, was saying, if you guys got any doubt of whether they're telling you the truth or not, watch this. And God backed up his word with these uh, 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 signs and wonders that were being done by their hands. Sounds like Mark chapter 16, which is uh, uh, the last chapter of the gospel of Mark. And uh, I'll 
right about verse 15 or so, you, you have the start of what's called the Great Commission. And then uh, after Jesus gave the Great Commission, then you see the last two verses, verse 19 and 20. And it says, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they, the apostles, went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. You see that? In the very same way that it was described in Acts 14, that's described the very same way there. That they, they went preaching, and what they were preaching was the word, obviously, because what did God do? He confirmed the word through accompanying signs. They preached it, God showed up, and demonstrated that what they were saying is the truth. God backs up his own word, and he does it with signs and wonders. Hallelujah. You know, Paul at one point, and this is a, a rendering out of the Amplified Classic, he said, my preaching has been accompanied with the power of signs and wonders and all of it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, the result is that from Jerusalem and as far around as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel. And you know, what's interesting here is that he's just stating what we've seen in so many other scriptures. But here he said, I have fully preached the gospel. And it was likely this verse from which was coined the term full gospel. Anybody ever heard the word full gospel before? The idea of full gospel means that, first of all, you're not just teaching part of it, you're teaching all of it. And, and, and of course, that, that's an important thing, that, that you're, you're not just teaching your favorite part of the gospel, but that everything that you see in there, if God said it, I need to tell people about it. I need to tell the person I look at in the mirror about it. But, 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 but it's the, the idea of the, the full gospel, the, the, the entire gospel, not just your favorite part of it. But in this context here, when he's talking about fully preaching the gospel, he's saying that it wasn't just words being spoken, but it was signs that backed it up. That's real full gospel. Not just the words being spoken, but the signs that back it up. Hallelujah. And you know what I believe? And I believe this with all my heart, that God's bringing us to a place where even in our services, where we're, we're not just... Uh, uh, you, you know, uh, we, we can't preach and run. Hey, you know what I mean? I believe, and part, part of the stirring that God's doing in, in many, not, not, not just the leadership uh, here in this house, but, but, but throughout the body of Christ, is that there's more that God wants to do. And, and, and if, if I could use such terminology, uh, we're just going to turn him loose to do it. You mean turn God loose? Yeah, I do mean turn God loose. Hallelujah. Because if the Holy Spirit can be suppressed or stifled, we don't want that. If we want everything that he's got, and we do, we're going to go ahead and let 
him do whatever he wants to do, which means if it changes some of the ways we do things, then let it be. If it changes some of the ways that, that we uh, approach the order of a service, then let it be. If, if it changes the length of a service, then let it be. If, if, if Whatever it changes, it's a change worth making if the end result is that you get all of God that God's got for you. Hallelujah. Listen to what Paul said here, 1 Corinthians 2. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Back to verse 4, please, just for a minute. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now, was Paul a wise man? Absolutely. Was Paul a persuasive man? Absolutely. You look throughout the book of Acts and even into his epistles, and you see him using the power of persuasion to persuade people. But he's ultimately saying, it's not my power of persuasion that's doing it. It's not how cute I can say something that's doing it. And Paul had a way with words. But what was doing it? It was the demonstration of the spirit and of power. The preaching and teaching of the word. You cannot underestimate the power of God behind that and what he can do. Just through simple preaching and teaching with his power behind it. Come on. Let's go ahead and go a little uh, further here. And I want to talk about the flow of the spirit in prayer. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. It is a time where the Lord is about to take us into places in him. Some places that we've maybe brushed along the edge and gotten close to once or twice. But we're not talking about just brushing along the edge. We are at a point in time where the Lord is going to take us deep into places in him, places of his flow, places of his manifestation that is further and deeper than anything we've experienced before and to be ready for it to be ready for it first of all starts with a willing and humble heart a willing and a humble heart a heart that is pure before God a heart that is void of uh, any kind of desire for personal attention and a uh, personal ambition is the preparation for what God wants to do 
in and through you. And there are so many opportunities in the spirit to go places in the spirit deeper, further than you've ever gone before. And the enemy would seek to block you out. The enemy would seek to hinder you from going there. But I say tonight, no, 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 no. The hindrance is gone. The hindrance is removed. We're going there. We're going there. We're going there. In the power of the spirit, we're going there. We're we're leaving behind distractions. We're leaving behind excuses. And we're going there into the full manifestation of what God wants to do in this time, in this place, in this body, and in his body all around the world. Glory be to God forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Wow. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The flow of prayer. Yeah. The flow of prayer. Glory, glory, glory to God. Mm. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In order to go into the direction that we need to go in prayer, I'm just going to go ahead and be as straight with you as I can be. Praying in your known language is good and it's scriptural. But if that's all you do, that is not enough. The way to get into the places that we need to get to in the flow of prayer is by means of praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Do I mean that tongue stuff? Yes, I do. Thank you very much. And I got to tell you, I believe that there's a hunger and a desire that's rising up in people that is taking us to these, taking us to new heights, new heights or deeper depths, however you want to say it, places in God that are further than you've been before. Hallelujah. And, and, and praying in the spirit, talking about the flow of prayer, it is so, it's going to be so vital to us getting to where we need to get to. Because there's things that the, 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 the word that the best describes it, things that need to be prayed out. Prayed out. Uh, given birth to, if I can use that term. Prayed out in the spirit. Things that God knows that we don't know. 
Are you with me? You, you know he knows stuff you don't know. <laughs> That's not a heavy remedy. That's pretty clear to all of us. But, but uh, as we go into the, this place of wanting to pray out things that, that he wants to get done and he wants to accomplish. You see, he knows what it is. We don't. But by means of praying in the spirit, you can pray about something that your mind does not even know needs to be prayed about. You can pray about something with your spirit that accomplishes something that is beyond what you know needs to be accomplished in your mind. You can, with your mind, examine something and you can see A, B, C, and D. But you know what can happen oftentimes? You're just looking at the, the fruit of something and not even looking at the real root of it. But in the spirit, and by means of praying in the spirit, you cannot just deal with the fruit of something. I mean, we're not talking about mowing the lawn and then the same old weeds grow up again. You know what I'm saying? But dealing with things from the very root, dealing with things in such a way where when the roots, when, when it's dealt with by the root, it's not coming back. It's not growing up anymore. It is done, done, done. God has taken us into those places. Hallelujah. But the way he's taken us there is by means of praying in the spirit. If uh, I, I did not plan on doing this, but we're going to skip a few verses. We'll skip Acts 4 and Acts 16 and go right to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, a language that... I, my mind does not know. My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. This is not an exercise of our mind. It is an exercise of our spirit. Realize that. You, spirit, soul, and body, a three-part person. God, who's a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, made us a trinity, spirit, soul, and body. It's pretty amazing. But, but here's the thing, when you're doing something with your spirit, your mind, your understanding is unfruitful. Don't be surprised by that. What you got to do is just push through any uncomfortability of that and say, so what if my mind doesn't get it? My spirit knows it's right. My spirit knows this is good. My spirit knows we're going places. Even if your mind tells you, you're wasting your time and doing a bunch of jibber jabber. But you say, mind, shut up. This is not about you. This is about uh, my spirit and the Holy Spirit joining forces together to get something done. Hallelujah. For if I pray in a tongue, we'll read it again, verse 14, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Verse 15 now. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding, which means this. Yes, you can Pray in your known language. Praise God. Absolutely. Paul did that multiple times throughout the scripture where he's praying for the church right there. I mean, he'll break out into a prayer for them right in the middle of an epistle. 
So Paul prayed in his known language, but Paul also prayed in the spirit to the point where he said, and, uh, uh, and people often have identified this as proof of Paul's Southern heritage. When he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Just a little humor there. Not much, just a little. But the bottom line, Paul was identifying himself as one who prayed in the spirit often. Well, what does this do? What does this do? Well, I wasn't planning on going there, but we might as well go there. Because if God's going there, that's the whole idea. This is called flow, y'all. We're flowing. First Corinthians 14. And I want to go ahead and go right to the very beginning of the chapter here. Uh, let's do this. Let's go to uh, verse 4 and verse 5. Verse 4 and 5 of 1 Corinthians 14. So if you can pull that up, that's fine. If not, y'all got your phones, you can go ahead, pull it up there. This is 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4 and 5. And we're still talking about praying in the Spirit, praying in, in a... a, a a language that is unknown to your mind. Imagine this, that your spirit can go ahead and be able to flow with something that your mind cannot flow with. Your, your spirit can have an awareness of something and a knowledge of something that your mind is not aware of. He who speaks in a tongue, that's verse 4, uh, edifies himself. The word edify means to build yourself up. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Actually, I'm sorry, I, I went jumped ahead. I, I read, uh, a ver that's a great verse, but it's not the one I was looking for. Verse 4, I was definitely looking for, uh, because that says, he who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. But also, I want you to go ahead and look at verse 2. So if we can go back to verse 2 there. I apologize for my mess up. I knew I was in the right vicinity, but gave you the wrong number of the verse. So verse 2 of 1 Corinthians, 4, uh, 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit... He speaks mysteries. So that's verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 14. So when you're speaking in, 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 in a tongue, speaking in the language that God gives you in prayer, the, you are not speaking to men, but you're speaking to God. No one understands you. However, in the spirit, you are speaking mysteries. And I want to talk to you for the last few minutes here about speaking mysteries. Nothing is a greater mystery than the future. Glory to God. Nothing is a greater mystery than the future. You can look at the past and judge some things from the past. You can look at the present and, and, and figure out some things from the present. But there's something about the future. You've not been there yet. But that's not a limitation for us. You know why? God inhabits eternity. 
He's already been there. Ain't no place he's not at. You see, time is a concept that, that we, uh, uh, I mean, we're, it's the only thing we're familiar with. But God does not dwell in time. God inhabits eternity, which means there's no place in our time, in our little scale of before and present and after, where he's not already been. As a matter of fact, uh, well, what do you see uh, about that in Scripture? You see uh, Abraham on top of Mount Moriah going to, to sacrifice Isaac as the Lord instructed him to do. But there he calls God Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees, because God looked ahead in time and saw something that he was going to need and when he was going to need it and made sure that that ram that was caught in the bush was there at that moment in time. So when you pray out mysteries in the spirit, as the verse said, in the spirit we speak mysteries. What is actually happening? One of the greatest mysteries that we're praying out is about something in the future. Now, you can pray about a mystery that is present tense as well. There could have been something that just happened that you would have no way of knowing except the Lord is giving you the urge to pray about something. But, but something about praying for things that haven't happened yet. And that is so locked in with the character of the Holy Spirit who Jesus described as the one who would show us things to come. Glory to God. So in, in, in showing us things to come, what, what, what's he doing? Sometimes he'll go ahead and give you a glimpse of something, give you a picture of something. But a lot of times in prayer, he'll give you an urge to pray about something that you may not even fully realize what it is. But as you yield to the Holy Spirit in prayer, as you yield to the Holy Spirit and give yourself to prayer, even if you don't know mentally what you're praying about, but in the spirit, you're just going at it and said, all right, Lord, it's me and you, and I'm going to trust you to help me pray this thing out in the spirit. And then you get to that point in time. Come on now, I'm talking to somebody. You get to the point in time. And you see something that, that is dealt with, that, that is uh, worked out almost as if somebody was there in advance to work it out. And you say, Lord, how did that happen? How did it work out so good? And what's the Lord going to say? That's something that was prayed out ahead of time. So, so your prayers actually went ahead of you into the future, even though it was a mystery to you at the time. But, but your prayers went ahead, and God did the same thing for you that he did for Abraham. He went ahead in time and was able to provide something that needed to be there at a certain geographical location, at a certain point in time. And when you got there, it was already there because it was already dealt with in the spirit. I want some of that, y'all. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've said this story many times, but I, I feel the need to close out with this tonight. Gary, you, you've heard this a hundred times in, in new members class, but you know, you're just going to have to suck it up and deal with it again, man. <laughs> uh, uh, we just, I, I think it was just recently was the 20th anniversary of the, the, the Station Nightclub fire. 
Am I correct? 20 years? Yeah. Well, uh, one, one of our guys who's now with the Lord uh, fell asleep watching TV one night. And I had the urge to pray. Got up with a big time urge to pray. And he didn't know what about. What did he do? He prayed in other tongues. He prayed in the spirit. Until he got some relief. And then found out what he was praying about. His stepdaughter was at the station nightclub. On the night of the fire. With two other guys. And what happened is that one of the guys she was with was inside the building with her. One of the guys she was with was already outside the building. And this is what happened. The guy, and this is in the middle of all the chaos that you can imagine going on at that moment. The guy she was with on the inside spotted her, picked her up, and put her on the top of a pile of people trying to get out the door, clamoring over each other. At which moment, the guy who was on the outside spotted her there on the top of the pile and was able somehow to reach up, grab her, and bring her out to safety. You can't make stuff like that up. That is the reality. That's one little example. But it was such an example that has impacted my life because I knew all the people involved. I visited the girl in the hospital who was, uh, after the fact, who was getting treated for some burns, but was alive and well. So I say this to you. In the same way that that was a prayer about a mystery in the present, wherever the mystery is, if you pray in the spirit, you're praying out mysteries. God and you are joining together, joining forces together to get things done. And I got to tell you, talk about flowing in prayer and flowing with the spirit in prayer. This is a place where we've maybe stuck the toe in or went ankle deep. But like there's a few lyrics we added to the song in the river back a few weeks ago. And we sang ankle deep, waist deep, all the way in. Ankle deep, waist deep, all the way in. And, and, and part of that, if I dare use the term, part of that is prophetic for where we're going. Because we've been ankle deep in some ways. <laughs> we've been ankle deep in some ways. But we're going waist deep. And we're, we're going to be on that too. How many of you, and I won't look because you might tell your age by this. I'm telling mine. How many of you remember the Nesty Plunge? Yeah. If, if you don't, that's all right. Enjoy your youth. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but, but the Nesty Plunge, uh, you know, Nesty was the product that they were selling. And, and, and the plunge, was, you, you see this person just diving into this beautiful water and, and just going all the way in. I, I mean, not ankle deep, not waist deep, not wading. I mean, just from, from the from the side of the pool right into the pool, full body, here we go, make the plunge. Well, glory to God, we're making the plunge in the spirit. 
Hallelujah. And we're going places with God that are beyond anywhere we've ever gone before. Are you with me tonight? This is exciting. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let, let me go ahead and uh, uh, first of all, I got to tell you this. Next week, all right? Next week. I want to be able to pray with people who want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit who have not yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you you hear about uh, uh, praying in the Spirit and you say, wow, that's great, but I've never done that. It sounds great, but I've never gone there. I've never experienced that. I want to be able to minister to you uh, uh, we, we may hit several things in our teaching, but, but at the end of our time next week, we're setting time aside to minister to people that need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, all right? Amen. We're going to do that next Wednesday night. How, I, how did I just find that out? I just found that out right here as we were standing. So that's what we're going to do. So praise the Lord. I, w- I want you to, uh, to be aware of that. If you know somebody that needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, tell them you come to church with me on Wednesday night. Because I believe that, 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 uh, uh, that, that we're just going to go ahead and take God up on his word, take God up on his offer. He comes through on his offers. He makes good. Hey, so that's what we're going to do next week. But tonight as we go, I want you to go ahead and stand with me. And uh, I want us to go ahead and make a proclamation of our faith together. First of all, before we do that, let me just remind you of a few things. Those of you that, that would like to give tonight, uh, if we can go ahead and put the giving information up on the screen uh, where you can give through text, you can give through the, our website, faithccenter.com forward slash giving, and then also uh, uh, on the app. And then uh, those of you that have a physical gift that you want to give tonight, we've got uh, envelopes and pens right there at the tables in the back. And you can go ahead and uh, uh, either put cash or write out the check, checks payable to FCC. And uh, so that, that's for those of us here. And those of us that are by live stream as well, you can go ahead and, and give also. So uh, first of all, we're, we're going to want to take care of that. And I want to remind you of a few things up and coming. Uh, small groups coming up. Uh, we're going to start them on the, the last Wednesday of March. Uh, one of them's already filled up. Uh, uh, David Acoin's uh, group uh, with, with, on the book of Revelation is already filled up. But there's still some space in, in the art of marriage and uh, the, uh, the parenting and in his steps. So uh, if, you're, is, if, 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 if you are hungry to grow and to, to go further in those areas, uh, this is available to you to take the opportunity to do so. And also don't forget that on Friday, March 31st, we're going to have some, some country and western date night going on in the house. And uh, uh, I already know who my date is, praise the Lord. I got my eternal date with me. Uh, but but uh, uh, what, what, what a blessing it's going to be to be able to have a, just a real fun night, uh, a fun night with, with, your, with your spouse or, or with, uh, with, with your boyfriend or girlfriend that, that, that you're currently dating. Also, the, the opportunity to eat some marvelous food. We're going to have some, some good barbecue in the house that night. It's $50 per couple and just wanted to go ahead and remind you about that as well. But before we go. 
We're going to go ahead and use the words of our mouth to declare our faith of what we're believing God to do in us, through us, and not just us personally, but in the church body as well. Amen? So let's go ahead and say this tonight. Father, Father, we are yielded. We are are submitted submitted to you you. and to your authority. authority. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's given to us to show us things to come and to help us get everywhere we need to get to. Thank you, Lord, that we are going deeper, further into the things of the Spirit, more than ever before. Lord, we're doing this as individuals, but we're doing this as a body, going deeper, going deeper into all the things you've got for us. And we won't settle for anything less. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all. Be blessed. Have a great night. See you Sunday morning.